Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Mainly Football podcast. My name is George Carden and today I'm joined by Jack Hill and our guest today, Mikey Partington. So you may be wondering what this podcast is all about. Well, as you can guess by the title, we'll be talking about mainly football, a sport in focus and much more every single Monday. So lads, do you want to introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Jack. Much like these guys, a journalism student at the University of Salford. I write and talk about various sports, obviously including football. Hi, I'm Mikey Partington. I'm a first-year journalism student at the University of Salford. Um, I've got a sports writer and I mainly write about football and the NFL. So today we'll be focusing on the fascinating relegation battle in the Premier League, some of the top prospects in the division, the championship, and of course, everyone watched it, the Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder fight. Um, So first, lads, the relegation battle. So obviously, there's quite a few teams pushing for it. There's not really any clear-cut candidates, I'd say. I mean, every week it looks like someone's going down. A few weeks ago it was Newcastle. Uh, They've seemed to have sort of dug themselves out a bit now. But could we see a shock team like Stoke and West Brom last year go down? And if so, who do you think? Jack, do you want to start? I think think we could. I mean, um, obviously, teams like Watford and Bournemouth started the season off very well. And now both teams are without a winning four. Um, So it shows you how quickly the tables can turn in... um, Excuse the pun. But... um, (laughs) I think, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how it goes down with the likes of Burnley, Wolves and Fulham obviously not playing so well recently. And I think we could see a shock upset. It's quite interesting, isn't it? I think a few weeks ago we'd all written off teams like Cardiff and Huddersfield. Mm. And before the weekend, Huddersfield had picked up seven points in three games and Cardiff had won. Obviously, they beat Brighton a few weeks ago. They beat Wolves the other night. So it's like yeah, yeah. there's between you'd probably have to say between the bottom half of the table, any of those teams at the moment could still go down. It's so hard to predict, isn't it? I mean, personally for me, I think with Fulham, I think their their recruitment's been a bit naive. I think they've really they've focused on the forward areas of the pitch, mm. bringing players like Vieto, getting Mitrovic back. But I mean, do you think Ranieri has enough to save them? Because he's quite a good counter-attacking manager but do you think he can do something as good as he did at Leicester? I think with the side they've got you could argue yes but to change so many positions after coming up from the championship all at once and having to Slavisa Jukanovic has had to get them to all to gel after playing such good football last year and it's, it was always going to be a tough ask but I think I think Ranieri, Ranieri should have enough to keep them in the division It's hard enough when you bring in 10 or so players with the manager that's brought them in and you bring in a new manager and ask him to gel them players together as well it is difficult but they have got quality there it's about Ranieri putting that together like he did at someone like Leicester obviously they're not going to win the Premier League at least we don't yeah. think so well, but, that'd be amazing wouldn't yeah. it <laughs> but it is about him trying to get them to gel and he's not got loads of time but with how tight the table is at the moment you've seen with other teams two wins in a row and they can be up to 13, 14. I mean, I guess it's less of a challenge than Leicester because Leicester, it was January and it was past January, wasn't it? But um, obviously, actually about an hour ago, um, Mark Hughes was sacked by uh, Southampton. Um, Quite an interesting one. He's had a very bad 2018, I'd say. Um, Firstly, with um, with Stoke and now Southampton. Um, What do you think of actually Southampton can survive as well? It is a tough one. I mean... They've had a they've had a flurry of draws and uh, draws and losses, sorry, and um, they've not actually they've not actually been winning. So I think they've not they've not performed very well recently. Obviously, they did get the the great draw against United at the weekend, but on the whole, 
it might it might be too much of a big ask. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I was quite surprised actually with Mark Hughes getting sacked. I thought a point against United would be a bit of a saviour, but obviously the quality of football at the moment there that Mark Hughes was playing probably wasn't good enough. And mm. as Jack said, they've not been picking up enough wins. It's a lot of draws and losses. I think it's just one win this season in the Premier League. You you can't keep a job with results like that. Yeah, yeah. I guess, with, in my opinion, with with teams in the relegation battle you need to have a solid defence I think that's your priority you can't really outscoring teams is a very risky strategy really but um, yeah I mean who would you who would you say is your your top three to go down now then and why oh I'd say Burnley Huddersfield and the last one's going to be a really tricky one <laughs> 20th or 17th that's the question oh um, 18th sorry I'm going to go Huddersfield for 20th Burnley for 19th and Southampton, I don't think, even with a new manager, I don't think they'll make it out. Yeah, that's a bold claim, that. Very bold claim. What about you, Mikey? I think it is difficult for Southampton. I do agree. I think there is too much for them to do, the squad that they have. So I'll go... Oh, I think I'll go... I'll go Huddersfield bottom. I'll go Southampton 19th. And I think Cardiff 18th. I've been more encouraged with what I've seen from them the past few weeks. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me personally... I think I'm obviously I'm a Brighton fan. I don't hide that, but um I've seen us I've seen us lose horrifically to Cardiff with ten men and then beat do the same thing to Huddersfield against ten men. So I mean against both teams I think I'll be honest, I think Cardiff they're def they've got a very championship squad. Mm, I think yeah. against our eleven players they weren't too impressive really. I mean, personally for me, I think they're in, they're in some all right form now and they've done very well. Credit to them because it's nice to see. But I think personally Huddersfield 20th, Cardiff 19th. And that it's that 18th spot, isn't it? That's the toughest. I've got a feeling I've got a feeling Ranieri will bring Fulham out of it. Um, he's a great manager really, isn't he? Um, I'm probably going to go Southampton to be honest. It's, it's a bit like, it's very similar to Stoke, isn't it? They've, they've kind of been building, but they've, um, it's, it's kind of almost a time for them to refresh in a way. I think Burnley do have the squad to get out and they have the manager also, but for some reason they, they just don't seem to be playing like they were last season. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've predicted them 19th there. It is probably slightly harsh and the likes of Cardiff do aren't blessed with such Premier League level squad. Um, so it will be really interesting to see who comes out on top. Yeah, I mean, I guess if a team like Burnley who are built off last season defensive solidity um, to kind of have that taken away from you you kind of lose everything and they're not known for goal scoring and um, I mean I, I guess in similar fashion to Leicester when Ranieri got sacked they it's almost like the pressure got to them so they were known as this counter-attacking defensive team who played good football but they were counter-attacking but um, they kind of because they won the title they almost saw it as like okay we've got to kind of change and teams wanted to defend against them yeah. and maybe because Burnley have got this Europa League they kind of had a very impressive season last year and maybe it's like a kind of inbuilt pressure they've got on themselves. Um, or maybe, I wouldn't say it last season was a fluke because they did do very well. But I mean, I guess if you haven't got many goals in the squad, then that can be a problem if they hit strikes out of form. I think the problem is there's probably too much expectation on them this year after last year. It wasn't necessarily a fluke, as you said, but it was certainly unexpected. Um and it was built on defensive solidity, and they've already—I think—they've already conceded 29 goals this year, and they conceded goals, yeah. 39 all of last season. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Well, anyway, moving on. Ruben Loftus-Cheek got a goal in the weekend, late on for Chelsea. 
Um, that's actually his fifth goal in six games for the club, which is really good to see because he's kind of been struggling to establish himself in the last few years, I'd argue. With him, would you say he's developing quite well, getting to that sort of first team space, kind of restricted to substitute appearances, but would you say that he's kind of deserving to get ahead of Barkley and Kovacic or would think, you say he still needs to develop a bit more or go out on loan? I think it is a really tough one because with with the way Chelsea's midfield's set up, if you've got Jorginho and Kante already, their positions are nailed on. I mean, that leads Fabregas out of the equation before you've even got started. And then for the kind of link between midfield and attack uh, to complete the trio, it's kind of between Barkley, Kovacic and Loftus-Cheek. Now, obviously, Kovacic is coming on loan, so he won't. Well, we doubt he'll be there next season. Yeah, I think it's loan to buy, but it depends how buy. he does. Yeah. Okay, so it could be possible that he stays if he does. I, th- I think it'd be best in Chelsea's best interest to not to not keep him on for longer with Loftus Cheek coming through because you can obviously have Barkley and Loftus Cheek to kind of fight it out for that carrier role in midfield. Yeah, and obviously it's always it's always great to see English players and English youngsters doing well for English clubs. Uh, what about you, Mikey? It's a nice problem for Sarri to have, isn't it? Yeah, so yeah. There's more than yeah. enough choice. Um, I, I don't think... I think it's difficult because you said five goals in six games, but I think a lot of Loftus-Cheek's good stuff this year has perhaps come in the Europa League, come against the lower Premier League sides like yesterday yeah, against yeah. Fulham. Um, and to be honest, Ross Barkley and Kovacic, even when he's been on, have probably done enough to keep their place in the team. Loftus-Cheek is a player that could probably go elsewhere and get first-team football every week. But I think it's unfair to say that he should be able to start at the moment for Chelsea with the quality that they've already got in midfield. Yeah, I mean, maybe for him, a team like Bournemouth would be perfect. He's a very attack, attacking-minded player, carries the ball really well. I thought one, one thing about him in the in the World Cup, he didn't have too many appearances, but when he did play off the bench, um, I thought the way he carries the ball is something that no other England player offers currently. Um He's very physical as well. He's kind of almost like a boxer's physicality in a way. No, it's an interesting one, really. I'd love to see him on loan to a team like us. Yeah. He's a player, when a creative player, um, drives forward. But I mean, on the, on another note, uh, not not an Englishman, but a Welshman, um, Harry Wilson on loan to Derby, uh, Frank Lampard's famous Derby from Liverpool. Uh, he's current. He's got his eighth goal in the Championship, and it's only December. Um, he's currently twenty-one, and um, he scored two goals from outside the box against Swansea this this weekend uh, to help them win 2-1. So, obviously, he must be in the mind of Jurgen Klopp and the Liverpool team. Do you think he's got what it takes to get into that first team next year? Potentially, there's a lot of quality in that Liverpool team, especially in attack. <laughs> I, I think Frank Lampard and Derby are kind of that trendy championship team this yeah, year. If, are, you're gonna, if you're going to support anyone, <laughs> it's, it's Derby with what they're doing. But um, no, obviously we've seen a few different players at Derby do really well this year. Uh, Wilson himself, Mason Mount. Mason Mount, of course. Um, does he have enough to get in the Liverpool team next year? Even Jordan Henderson can't get in at the moment in that <laughs> midfield. So I think he'd be struggling. But um, no, he's de- future. in the future, I think he can definitely push for a first-team spot in that team should yeah. he get an opportunity. Because we've seen, obviously, Ben Woodburn came through at Liverpool. He's gone out. Has he gone out alone now? Uh, he was at Sheffield United. Yeah, he's gone out at Sheffield United. So it might be a case of biding his time almost and staying patient, but he's mm. definitely got the quality for the Premier League. I mean, I guess he's he's 21 now, so he's still very young, but um, Woodburn's only 17, 18, 18 mm. now, I think, actually. But with that Liverpool front three, you've got the main front three. 
Then it's Shakiri, who's actually had a very good season. I've been impressed of him. But, I mean, it's not lots of depth up front. One or two injuries, and you've suddenly got a, a big missing gap there. So maybe that's something him and his agent will look at. I've got a feeling maybe he won't look for a loan. He wants to get into that Liverpool first team, and he's seen Trent Alexander-Arnold Arnold, Arnold get into that team. Joe Gomez. So, I mean... Liverpool's the perfect club, really, for a youngster right now. Liverpool and Tottenham. I mean, what do you think, Jack? I think, like Loftus Cheek, he does have to. He will have to prove himself in the Premier League. But I think to do so, he will only he will only get that with opportunities. He's he's obviously impressed at Derby this season under Lampard. Um, I think with the with the depth they have, or with the lack of with the lack of numerous wingers, I think if one of Mane or Salah was to get injured, they don't have the amount of players to fall back on. So I think Wilson could be a lad to bring through next season and give him the opportunities in the Cup and uh, in the lesser league games. But it'll, it'll be interesting because, like like you say, Liverpool are a, are a top team with, a, with youth this season with Gomez and Arnold excelling. Anyway, moving on. So moving on, we've got... Um talking about Arsenal great win yesterday 4-2 versus Spurs coming coming back after being down um, obviously Emery's caused a bit of a transformation here um, great to see really because Arsenal well for at least the last I'd say seven years apart from the FA Cup wins they've been quite a frustrating side to watch and it was quite toxic the last sort of three four years I'd say um, what would you say Emery's done to make them so formidable and what would you say yeah what would you say the main transformation is for them I think he's obviously tried to build from the back. He's placed quite an emphasis on that with Leno, Socrates, Rob Holden obviously doing well there. But I think it, it, there seems to be a new freshness around the club that we've not seen for the last few years. He seems to be getting the best out of Alex Awobi. Obviously, Granite Jack has been playing well this season and the acquisitions of Guendouzi and Torreira have, have just been fantastic. So he seems to have changed the personnel, but what, what he had already had... He seemed to be um, making good use of that as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, did you see that video of uh, Gwendozi out the car window with all the Arsenal fans? I thought that was brilliant. Yeah. Um, oh, it's been a, he's been a breath of fresh air. As you said, it's been, it was toxic the last few years with Wenger. It's not, there's no shame to admit that. It definitely was. Um, he's, I think for me, he's picked players not on reputation, but on what he wants to do in the style of football he wants to do. Um, I can't remember where I saw it now, but someone asked him about paying too much respect to Wenger. And he said, there's no point in doing that. We might as well move forward. Mm. And he's going to implement his own style on it. And I think he's done that perfectly. And obviously that was on show yesterday. And he's got the best out of players like Torreira, players that he's brought in, Gwen Doozy. And he, yeah, he will be as well. He's done really well this season. So yeah, yeah, he's, he's put his own stamp on things. And I think that's what you need to do, especially after someone like Wenger comes in. He's been there for 20 odd years. Yeah, exactly. I mean, one thing of Arsenal, I think they're a bit more... I think with Arsenal, a lot of a lot of teams would would just really get at them and out sort of use their physicality to outmuscle them. But Emery's uh, Arsenal, it's been quite they're very defensive from the front, hardworking side, kind of similar to Liverpool in a way. And I think that's why they gave Liverpool such a good game a couple of weeks back because they've they've really just put put the game to them. But would you would you say um, they would have won four two if Wenger was in charge? Uh, well, obviously, em- Emery's played a three a three four three. He started off with that, and he's uh, at half time. He's brought on two substitutions. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. He's brought on two substitutions, and I don't change think w- well. It w- uh, I don't think Wenger would have had that willingness to change it so early on 
and um, put his own stamp on it. And I think Emery's obviously had to been bold with his decisions, but I think they've they've paid dividends. Yeah, I think Wenger probably could have got the same, a similar result, but not in the same manner. It's probably more exciting for Arsenal fans doing it as they did yesterday. I think the thing is, last year, teams probably didn't fear going to the Emirates. Arsenal were probably just an average side, and it would probably be a big scalp for most teams if they could go and get points there. But I think this year, Emery certainly brought a fear factor. Not necessarily back, I don't think it's probably ever been there since Arsenal moved to the Emirates. Certainly since they came from Highbury, it's probably never been there. Mm. So maybe it is the start of something for Emery that he can build at the Emirates. Yeah, I mean, what I like about him is that, well, he's only 47, um, so quite a young manager, actually. They've got plenty of years of him, really, and he's he's kind of worked his way up to the top from Almeria in 2006, um, and he went, obviously, to Sevilla, won the Europa League a few times, um, three times, wasn't it? Or was yeah. that? Yeah, and then um, went to Paris Saint-Germain. And um, did did all right there. I mean, not the hardest league to win, but can't can't um, criticise them for that. So, do you mean? I mean, with Arsenal, what do you think their game plan is? I mean, do you think they can win the league next year, or would you say, what do you think the short term aiming for the club is? I think obviously, not a lot of fans were happy with Wenger was winning silverware, he's winning FA Cups every year. I think the thing for Arsenal fans is just bringing that excitement factor back and. Obviously, maintaining top four football, it's not great seeing them in the Europa League at the moment. Whether it is the title, if that's a step too far with how good teams like City and Liverpool are at the moment, because they are not necessarily in a different class, but they are certainly a quality above Arsenal at the Mm. moment. So it probably is a little bit far-fetched even next season. But yeah, certainly just bring back more games like yesterday. Mm. And yeah, if you can get silverware as well, that's always going to help. I mean, at least challenging is what they want. Yeah, I mean, exactly. much like United a couple of seasons ago now, that Europa League is probably their main aim. Yeah. They want to be getting the top four and they, prob- they probably, I think they've got a good chance of that. But I mean, winning Europa League would be a great start to his career. And he's, he's got experience of winning it. I mean, what do you think, Jack? I think I think you're spot on there, like Mikey said. Um, in in regards to the, um, to, them, to the title challenge, I think... City and Liverpool will have a spell of dominance under Klopp and Guardiola um, in the league, I feel. But I think Arsenal, it'll be, a, it'll be a slow ride back to the top, but I do think they will make it there because obviously the teams, they've kind of they've got a new generation coming through with players that Emery has brought in and obviously the likes of Reese Nelson, Rob Holding, currently at the club. So Some I great think, young players, yeah. I think, um, yeah, they'll be one to watch out for in the future for sure. So yeah, moving on, um, we've got Talking about Felipe Anderson, obviously West Ham won 3 0 on the weekend away to Newcastle. Uh, a much needed result and a much needed clean sheet. I actually thought the clean sheet was more impressive than the, yeah. the three goals for them, especially because they haven't been great defensively, defensively this season. Um, what do you say about what Pellegrini's done there? Because he's done a very similar transformation. It took a while, they were bottom of the league for four games, um, but they've very steadily improved. Uh, what do you say it's Pellegrini's done to actually do that? I think it's taken a while for him to implement his style, but now they're playing this attacking brand of football. With with um, he's obviously brought in some brought in some very good players with the with the attractiveness that his style of uh, that his brand of football brings to the club. Um, like you mentioned, Felipe Anderson, but I think it come. I think the more the more they've played, the better they've got defensively. And obviously, like you say, with the clean sheet, the defensive solidity is is massive in the Premier League. So I think. He's obviously implemented that, and with the attacking players he's got, it's it's making them um, 
a team to behold. Quite a good dark horse, aren't they? What about you, Mikey? Yeah, we said about Fulham before, bringing in loads of players and that perhaps being a problem, but once you implement your style like Pellegrini's done, I mean, West Ham not necessarily flying at the moment, but they certainly are playing some really good stuff. They had a good result again on Saturday, and they've got they've got the quality to put in a really good season now and kick on. It's obviously putting in some consistency, and that starts from the back and defensively. Um, I mean, I was really impressed with Pablo Zabaleta on Saturday. I thought what Pellegrini's done with him, he wasn't necessarily finished at City, but he's he's getting on a bit and mm. seems rejuvenated. He, he look he, he just looks like a well-oiled machine, especially on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I guess with Pellegrini's style, that's what he played with for, well, was it four years Pellegrini was at City? Uh, three. Three years. So he's he's quite used to that. And um, obviously that West Ham attack, it's probably, it's I mean, outside the top six, that West Ham attack is probably the best, I'd say. Um, I mean, moving on to that point, um, what would you say the best top six player outside the Premier League is at the moment? It's a tough one, isn't it? Because you've got so many teams with big players that want to get up and challenge in that top six. For me, if you're looking outside the top six, I look straight to Everton because I think they're the next best team. They are actually currently in the top six. Above, above United. United, yeah. It's not great, but um, yeah, I, I would look straight to Everton and where their key player has been this year. And it's for me, it's Gilfie Sigurdsson. I think what he's done, the maturity he's played with and the responsibility he's taken on as well. Because he showed that at Swansea as well in a struggling team. And he's done the same, and I think he's really flourishing under Marco Silva this year. Mm, he had a bit of a slow start for Everton, didn't he? I yeah. Mean, took him a while to really get into gear, and he obviously he's always got that great goal inside him, but um, finally starting to come their key player, I'd say. He's got that wow factor in him, hasn't he? He's, it's, he's, something, he's one of them players that could probably go to a big club and go straight into the team. He's just got that about him, and obviously it wasn't his best season last year, his first season, but... If you give him a manager like Marco Silva and someone that believes in him and trusts him and wants to help develop him, and then you put the players around him, like Marco's done, obviously he's brought in Richarlison, you've got Bernard on the wing, he's brought in Walcott, he's put Andre Gomez behind him. So he's putting the pieces around him, and it's kind of like Everton are building around this one player this year, and he's really flourishing from it. Yeah, yeah. And what, who would you argue for, Jack? On another Everton player, I think... Another one? I think Richarlison comes into the mix because... Obviously, he started off looking like he was going to play at left wing, like he did at Watford. And then with Schenk Tosin not really firing on all cylinders, he's been put up front. And you could argue you could argue that it was a bit of a risk for Silva, to be honest, because I don't think he's too familiar in that role. But he's played there for Brazil since, and he's scored twice on his debut for Brazil. He's done very, very well up front, because as well as his flair and his ability to take players on. He's also a presence and against the defenders. And as you saw in the derby yesterday, it's it's quite hard to get the ball off him. So as mm. well as pressing, attacking, he offers he offers everything for me. Would you say he's quite a physical presence or more of a more of that sheer pace he's got? I think it comes down to both of it. Obviously he's he's very tricky with the ball and he's a he's a nightmare for defenders to play against because yeah. if you can't get tight to him, he's already gone. Yeah, and if you get tight to him, he's he's so quick with the ball at his feet that he'll just move it away. I mean, on that note, I remember I went to Everton uh, away end of October, and um, to see Brighton lose three one, and um, he got two goals and both fantastic finishes. But like you're saying, Shane Duffy went went tight on him for the third goal, and it was just probably I just kind of stood there in amazement and in bemusement really because I was just like. He, he hit the ball around one way, ran around the other. Shane Duffy, quite a slow defender, 
and um, just and he rounded the rounded Matt Ryan and scored, and you're just like, wow, he's a real good talent. I mean, the one thing is he's only got 11 goals and uh, 50 Premier League appearances, but I guess he obviously went through a tricky period of Watford after that good start um, last season. But I mean, it's only going to improve his record from there, isn't it? I think as well as obviously say he's he's not scored that many, but I think it's more so the presence that he offers to his side both to help them in the build-up and pressing from the front that just offers Everton, Ever, offers Everton a different dimension to what they've already got up top. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the player I'd argue for, who I've been really impressed by, I think he's gone quite under the radar. And, I mean, Pellegrini wanted him at City a few years ago now when he was much more of a youngster. But Felipe Anderson, um, he had a really great game uh, on Saturday against Newcastle. He had a bit of a slow start. I'm, I, I know West Ham fans, some of them were a bit frustrated with him, but the, the qualities he possesses, I thought, he, I actually, in a way, it's a bit of a bold statement for him, but I do liken him a bit to Dimitri Payet in the way I think his passing's unbelievable. The one thing I think he's got better as well, though, is his pace. He's got a real good physical pres- um well, physical pace, um, can really beat his man. So maybe, I think outside the top six, I think he's really looking like a great player, someone who won the big clubs might actually pick up in the summer um, if he carries on like this. I mean, I don't know what you guys think about him. but Well, yeah, again, like Richarlison, he's got a manager that believes in him. And actually on Richarlison, I think it was all 11 of his Premier League goals have come whilst he's been under Marco Silva. So oh, yeah. it, is, it is belief and um, having the right manager on him. Um, yeah, as for Felipe Anderson, really impressed with him at the weekend. He's... He's kind of almost the star in a in a heavyweight West Ham attack at the moment. They've got plenty of big names and almost too many in a way. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you saw Hernandez at the weekend. He's not been able to get a game this season. I think it was only his third start of the season. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. he's he's another player who looks quite good, but with a strike partner. Yeah. But he's another one of those players where I don't think he can play out by himself. But with Arnautovic partnering him, he really did well, and he scored a great goal as well. I think I think it's interesting because. I remember when he when he was at Lazio, Felipe Anderson, and there were links to West Ham. There were a few questions as to how he'd do because if you remember Luis Alberto, mm. um, he had I think he had a spell at Liverpool for a short time. He did, yeah. He was he uh, Felipe Anderson was being used as, as a, a substitute for Luis Alberto as like the second striker in uh, Lazio's attack. So he wasn't really deemed one of their star players. And obviously, to spend forty million or so on him, it, was mm. a, it could be argued as a big risk by Pellegrini, but so, certainly one that's paid off. Definitely was, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's probably the price tag was quite a big factor in why he was getting criticised. But um, I think he's probably already written the critic, critics off. And I mean, I, I'm very interested to see how he does over the season. Um, if he stays injury free, he could have a really good double figures and goals and assists. I'm thinking. Anyway, moving on to the championship. Um, Leeds got another 1-0 win now second one point behind Norwich so the championship's looking as hot as ever um, it's always really exciting it's a great league to watch um, but what do you say of Leeds do you think they've got what it takes because I mean when I saw Brighton get promoted for example the best teams grind out results even when they're not playing well and Leeds seem to be doing that now finally uh, do you think they've got what it takes or do you think they're going to sort of fall away like they have the past couple of seasons I mean, I said a few weeks ago that I thought Leeds would probably be the standout team in the championship this year. Um, they did have a bit of a stutter after a after a strong start, but I think you saw at the weekend a big, you know, a big northeast derby, and they ended up grinding out a result against 
what's been a surprise Sheffield United team this year. Mm. They've kind of come out of nowhere, obviously promoted last season. Or uh, two, seasons two seasons ago. Two seasons ago, sorry. And yeah, they, they've just, it's a, it was a really good result. I thought that defensively they were strong. They looked, they looked really, they played with a lot of freedom in attack. Um, and obviously they did get a bit lucky with the goal, but I suppose you need that luck in the championship. Yeah, exactly. With Marcelo Bielsa's influence, I've watched quite a lot of Leeds this season, obviously because they play such an attractive brand of football, but like you say, to be able to grind out results when they need to, I think that's two 1-0 wins in a row now in the league. I mean, it's it's a quality only the best teams possess, really. And I think the only problem that could halt them in the, their um, fight for the championship could be squad depth. They've obviously suffered a lot of injuries and... Bielsa did come out and say that he doesn't want to invest in the January window. He wants to keep with what he's got. He's obviously Jamie Shackleton and Jack Clark are two young players who've come through and played quite a lot this season. And Bielsa's showing this. It's quite refreshing to see this faith in youth that he has, even with mm-hmm. the players that Leeds could get and the Biel- that Bielsa could attract. I mean, yeah, they're, they're a very hard-working side, which I think is quite a popular theme at the moment with them. Um, like we mentioned of Arsenal, really, with Emery, uh, this sort of hard-working, um, driven side. And, I mean, they always get back. They're really just a good, work, hard-working unit. I mean, obviously, they're one point behind Norwich. Norwich, I think, look destined to go up this season. Um, they look a really strong side. Timo Pukki scoring, the Finnish striker scoring goals pretty much every week. Um, I mean, who, who do you reckon? So, let's say Norwich leads top two. Mm-hmm. Who do you think is going to get the playoffs? And who do you think will go up? I'll go with an outsider, obviously, if we're going Norwich and Leeds as the top two. I Through the playoffs, I'd probably go someone like Aston Villa. It was really They obviously got that big five-all draw um, in midweek with Notts <laughs> Forest, another team in and around there. But yeah, um, Middlesbrough were the best defence going into the weekend in the championship yeah. and Villa went there and put three past them. Yeah, so. I, was, I saw that great result for them. Yeah, I mean, you can't really look past them at the moment. They've got... A great striker, obviously, on loan from Chelsea and Tammy Abraham. Mm. Jack Grealish is still firing as ever. And they've got a great manager. And, yeah, I think Aston Villa, it's been a while now since they've been in the Premier League a few seasons. They've got all the foundations, haven't they? And yeah, they've got a lot of depth in their squad. Yeah, and they're starting to put the performances in now. They did start slowly, but they are starting to pick it up now. And, yeah, I think they could make a real run for the playoffs, if not the automatic promotion place. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'd argue for a, a team that hasn't been mentioned yet in West Brom. Obviously, I think Middlesbrough and Villa are great shouts. I think just because with the amount of goals, I think I think they had scored the most goals in the football, football league. league. Yeah, in the football league. Um, and obviously, Darren Moore's got them playing a, an attractive style of football in the championship. They're playing some good stuff. They've still got some a lot of good players. I think they have the depth, um, a mixture of youth and experience to to challenge in the championship and it may it will be through the playoffs I think but I think it could be a tight one but West Brom could, sh- should be up there yeah all good shouts it's almost it's so unpredictable isn't it you can't really nail one team on apart from maybe Norwich I'd say second in the playoffs who knows um, but that's the beauty of the championship isn't it anyway I think that's enough of football now um, moving on to the boxing uh, I'm sure we know which fight we're going to talk about here uh, Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder um, a very interesting matchup that was. Um, I know you you watched it, Jack. You watched the highlights, Mikey. Um, so, I mean, what do you think about the whole fight and and the draw and the the outcome of the match? 
I think uh, prior to the fight, it sounded like Fury just he just wanted to kind of get the fight out of the way. Now he's obviously come back very well to to battle mental health, and um, he sounded like he wanted to get back wanted to get back to his family ahead of Christmas. Whereas Deontay Wilder seemed obviously Fury's quite informal as it is, but F- Wilder just seems destined like he had no other vision apart from beating him, and I think. Because Fury can be can be quite, can be seen as quite laid back, it kind of plays in his favour. Because when he's when he's he's got more time to think about when he's going to hit Wilder, how he's going to play the fight, and I think it, I think um, I think Fury sh- could feel could feel hard done to hard hard done to by the result. Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, what I read from his coaching team, they actually said they they would have liked to do the fight six months later. They thought it was six months too early for him. So credit to him for coming back. Obviously, the ninth he got knocked down in the ninth round, and that massive knockdown in the twelfth uh, round, and he almost got up like um, what's it, the Undertaker. I saw people saying that, which I thought was quite funny. And you see the video; it's kind of you think, how the hell has he done that after that punch? I mean, what do you think, Mikey? Yeah, I think obviously a lot of respect to him for coming back after all the stuff away with mental health. But yeah, I think he was obviously. He did. He does treat boxing like it's just another thing for him. It's like Saturday was just a normal day. Oh, I'll just go and fight someone at the end of the day and just, <laughs> you know, go and fight for a title. But no, he was. Um, it, it was a big fight, and obviously, he did. He did come through two knockdowns, and it was like the Undertaker, as you said. But yeah, I was really impressed with him just to be able to come back and put on a display like that and really grind through it. Yeah, I mean, I thought the BBC put it really well. Um, they said. From, from world championship to depression and ballooning to 28 stone, Fury is somehow back amongst the elite na- um, among the elite names of the glamour division. So I think the comeback is real good inspiration for any sportsman. Uh, I remember uh, Rio Ferdinand tweeted about it actually, just saying what he's overcome to get to that stage. And I think a lot of people, maybe it's biased, but saying uh, he should have got the win. I don't know what you guys think about that. But, um, I mean, it was a tough one. There's a bit of controversy around the ref... Um, the first ref's decision, uh, I, I the think, first judge. Sorry, I think um, I think he gave the first four rounds to Wilder when it it was quite even. I think Wilder was Wilder was um, aiming to land more shots, but he wasn't really connecting with them. He landed just sixteen sixteen percent of his two hundred and forty eight jabs, whereas Fury landed twenty one percent. And I think speaking of comebacks, when it came to the end of the fight, and obviously. In the twelfth round, when when Wilder's knocked Fury down, it seemed like Fury had had already tired him out so much that he wasn't pummeling Fury with shots uh, when he could have. And I think the the stat says that all oh, Fury landed thirty seven thirty seven percent of his hundred and four power shots, whereas Wilder landed just seventeen percent of nearly twice as many. Yeah. So I think. Fury was a lot more, a lot more decisive with his shots, and I think, um, I think he, he should feel hard done to. Yeah, I mean, he's got a lot. More, he had a lot more to fight for. I, that's what I believe. Uh, with what he's overcome, I think maybe that's why. I think he obviously did very well. I think he's got had a lot more to sort of go over than Wilder, who's already there, and he was kind of the underdog for the whole match um, with the bookies and everything. With that, do you reckon with that twelfth round knockdown? that might have swayed it into a draw? Do you think he would have won if he didn't get knocked down in that 12th round? Well, you never know, obviously. We don't know what the judges saw 
with what they're judging on. But yeah, obviously there's a shout. I think obviously watching the fight, he did. He was very unlucky not to get the win. I did think he was the better fighter across the twelve rounds, but yeah, obviously the judges have thought differently and yeah. scored it a draw. I'd agree. I'd agree with Mikey's point on that. I mean, it's. I think with the like you say with the with the twelfth round knockdown from Wilder, it can it can influence the uh, the decision obviously because it, he's hit him very very hard and to to get back up like that is it's applaudable. But obviously, I think um, I think that could have influenced the decision. Yeah. 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 Well. Even though it was a draw, it was a fantastic match. Almost one of the greatest fights in history, I'd say. One of the best ones I've seen. Um, and I'm only a, a very new boxing fan. Um, anyway, that we're almost at the end of the show. And that moves us on to our favourite social post of the week. Um, I don't know what you guys have got, but I hope it's funny. But I'll show you, I'll show you mine. It's uh, going back to football, actually. Um, so it came from um, a journalist called Duncan Alexander. So basically he's tweeted, All-time Premier League penalties... Liverpool 148, Mike Dean 145, Arsenal 139, Manchester United 134, Chelsea 131. So that means Dean has awarded 6.2% of all penalties in Premier League history, which I thought was quite a funny stat. Um, so he's almost top of the table for something. Uh, what about you guys? I found, well, the <laughs> one thing I got is there's full-time Devils, obviously Man United fan channel, yeah. Um Main presenter for that, Adam McCullough, tweeted, Fury versus Wilder 2 at Old Trafford, do it. Um, and someone responded, not at not Old Trafford, it'll end up a draw again. <laughs> so I got that one. Summary of United for you, isn't Pretty it? Pretty much, yeah. But anyway, that just about wraps it up. Um, thank you for listening to the first episode and thank you for coming on, Mikey. Oh, thanks for having me on, guys. So, yeah, really <laughs> and, uh, appreciate it. That's all right. And we'll be back next Monday. Jack will be presenting. So every week uh, we'll be uh, alternating between myself and Jack. Um, I've been George Carden. We've been joined by Jack Hill and Mikey Partington and we'll see you next week. Thank you very much.